Good to see you all here this morning. Include the visitors. Thank you for coming to worship with us this morning. Thank you for the songs. I felt the songs devotional was fitting this morning to flow along with what I would like to share here this morning. All right, let's uh, stand together and uh, pray together. Father in heaven, we again come before your mighty throne where you're seated. Father, the earth is your footstool. Lord, thank you that you continue to be a gracious Lord on a people, on a nation who has turned their back on you. Father, we know the clock continues to tick and we are your body here on earth. And you are very gracious to us and we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the privilege to meet here again this morning. Thank you, Father, that we have the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we're unhindered from the government. And thank you, Lord, that true love still exists on the earth. First of all, your love to us, and then love that flows one to another. And Father, truly, we place our faith and our confidence and our trust in you this morning. Lord, I am just a man And Lord, in myself, I'm nothing, but Lord, we have your word and it's rich. And we know that it's rich and I pray, Lord, that somehow you would anoint the things that I have to say here this morning and that every heart could be encouraged to look heavenward, to look to you this morning. So, Father, I pray that you would bless the service, bless the time remaining of this service, I pray that you would have your will done today on earth as it is in heaven. For we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Mark talked about choices. And, you know, I had to think, that's, in all reality, choices are, I don't want to say it's why we're here, but all of life pretty much revolves around choices, does it not? You know, as he was sharing about choices, I had to think, you know, I think we dads all probably know what it's like, a late night knock on our bedroom door, somebody wants to talk, it's often one of our children that's facing a choice, right? If I sometimes want to come to a brother and just pour my heart out and share something, it often has to do because I'm looking at a choice. And that's just life. Life is full of choices. And depending on what for choice we make, it has long-term effects. And some choices aren't as serious as other choices are. But life has to do with choices. And I uh, thought maybe just to start here this morning, I would... I would... Uh, Just to remind us that life is a lot like this. We go through life and then we come to a place, a fork, where we have to make a choice. Sometimes my children will say to me, my older ones, I'll do some more there maybe possibly later. My children will come to me and say, Dad, I just wish maybe it would be like it used to be when I was a little child and didn't have to make all these heavy choices. And then I remind them that this is part of adulthood. Get used to it. This is life. 
But that is part of the blessing and the freedom of being a child, being in the home. You just, you're not faced with heavy choices and decisions. Like we're called to make choices. I had to think, as I think of sharing here this morning, of right along with some of the things Mark shared, reminding us of choices. Last week we had a message. We had all the young people come up front and sit in the front while Brother Melvin shared with you. And if I recall correctly, he talked a lot about wisdom and uh, young people being wise, making right choices. That was last week. And you know, there's a sense in which, with what I want to share here this morning, and I, I think shared with you last time that I shared that I started in the book of Ephesians, wasn't sure what I would do, but I want to continue down that vein a bit. So, there's a sense in which, yeah, I want to continue going through Ephesians here, but there's another sense in which I'd like to just kind of keep on moving uh, right along with what we heard last week and what we heard this morning as we think about the whole thing of choices, because we have... We're faced with choices. We have a lot of choices to make in life. And, you know, the verse that talks about neglecting our salvation, it says, uh, it's in Hebrews 3, something about neglecting our salvation. And, you know, the choices that we make in life many times have to do with whether we are going to maintain our salvation or whether we're going to go down steps and roads of Walking away from this, Hebrews 3 says, that's it. it's so great a salvation. And that's what I shared at the beginning of Ephesians last Sunday. We talked about this, not last Sunday, the last time I shared, this so great a salvation. I think we talked about adoption. I think we talked about our identity in Christ and who we are in Christ and the freedom that comes out of that as a child of God in our position and our standing before God and the blessing of that, the gift of salvation and the marvel and wonder of that all. And then Paul begins a bit here to, to shift gears a bit and, and, uh, and that's the vein I'd like to go down this morning a little bit more having to do with, has more to do with maintaining that so great a salvation and the blessings that come when we maintain that salvation that has to do with the choices that we make. In a nutshell, that's kind of what I'd like to look at this morning. Paul was writing to the church, which was the apple of his eye, I believe, which I reminded us of that the last time I shared, and I believe the church continues to be the apple of his eye. Oasis Christian Fellowship, I believe, is the apple of his eye. It's, it's his body here on church, or a small part of his body here on church. Uh, uh, on earth, the church is what we talked about last Sunday. So that's what we would like to talk about here this morning a bit when it comes to maintaining our salvation. And I just thought I would make a comment or two here. And Melvin, I'm not sure if he exactly alluded to it last Sunday, but I... I know he talked about wisdom and he talked about his burden for young people and he talked about uh, how shocked he is. Uh, I'm not sure if he quite used those words. Uh, some of the things he sees when he's gone for a number of years and comes back. And, you know, I think he talked about some of the new pressures that were faced today. And, you know, I, I, I think about that a lot. I, I'll be honest with you. I think about that a lot, you know, and I even... I even think back to my experience in, in, in growing up as a young person in the environment that I grew up in. And I believe, and I know that every culture and every generation, I believe, throughout ages has those unique pressures, to, 
you know, that are unique to that culture that we're living in. Um, but I do believe that we live in a very unique time here in these last days. And I know that's what Melvin's burden was, or at least what I picked up. And when I look back at my my youth experience, my growing up experience in the church cultural that culture that I grew up, I was, even though I went down roads I should have never went down, I was somewhat protected or somewhat in a bit of a, I don't want to say a better environment than what the youth were of this day, but there's a sense in which I didn't have the exposure and the pressure near like we do today. And I honestly believe and, and, and appreciated last Sunday very much, and we want to continue in some ways with what I want to share here this morning, going down that vein that I think those days in a lot of ways are over of trying to maintain. I don't want to say it's over because I believe we can have a good, healthy church environment right here that can be a blessing and can be conducive to raising families. I believe we can have that here. But I also believe that when we walk out the doors of the church and we go into the work environment because of the things that we have with technology and all that, we are living in a new and different environment than what we were back there. The pressures are so great. And I think it's by living a life of integrity and making right choices that are going to take us where we want to go. And I think we're just going to have to continue to remind ourselves of that. We're going to have to face that. And we're going to have to keep our focus and our eyes and our gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe we are. So I want to continue in some ways with what I have to share here this morning going down that vein. Because I do believe that we live in a time where the enemy is coming in against the church of Jesus Christ like a flood. And the Spirit of the Lord needs to lift up a standard against the enemy. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord can lift up a standard against the enemy in our fellowship here. But I also believe that they were faced with those things back there also. So this morning we want to continue here a bit on in Ephesians. Maybe I'll just remind you of the what I call the key verse, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I hope and trust that continues to maintain and be our vision and our burden till we come into that kind of unity. And then verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. May we be encouraged this morning. Just another phrase that I thought I would refer to, and it's, we, we have it in um, chapter 1, uh, verse 10, I believe it is. It talks about together. It says... Um, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth. And then in chapter 2, we have together again several times in verse 5, it says, even when we were dead in Christ, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 22 we have in whom ye are also in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the spirit. So we have this whole idea of togetherness and I would just like this morning to just share again as a reminder to us this morning and the need for us as a body to have that togetherness. I think I may have used the example some time ago. I'm not sure. Um, 
You know, if you in Africa, my understanding is when a lion wants to capture, I think it's a gazelle that they go after, it'll go after the one that's a straggler. Generally, when those gazelles, I think that's one of the main preys of uh, the Af- on the African of a lion. Am I right? Uh, some of you would probably know. I think it's a gazelle. And there is safety when they're together in a herd, but it's often a lion wisely will see one of those stragglers, and that's the one he'll go after. Because when they, they're together in a herd, they're, they're together, and the lion, you know, I, I'm guessing they can still permeate it somehow and, and make their capture. But a wise lion will quicker go after one of those that's a straggler. So uh, just give that to a reminder of, the, of us to, to us this morning here as we think of this whole thing of togetherness and the need of togetherness as a body. As a group, to be together, I think that's uh, it's it's healthy for church life to be together. All right, we're going to go to Ephesians, but before I go to Ephesians, I would like to read an account in the book of Acts. You can turn there in Acts chapter 20. We are going to be considering, largely this morning, we're going to be looking at Paul's heart and his love for the church of Ephesus, and then what he... Saw in the church of Ephesus, I believe it was after he had already left, and two noteworthy things that he noticed that he, he I don't know if he noticed in the church when he was there. It seems on the based on the writing that he heard about it, and he said based on this, and then he goes on to share some things with us. So we're, we're not quite there in Ephesians yet. We're going to first look here in Acts chapter twenty, and I just thought it would be a blessing if we would read this. I I will tell you I am challenged and I am maybe I should say convicted in the area of looking at Paul's heart that he had for the people of God. Paul had an amazing heart and love for the people of God in an amazing way. He really does. And I just thought since we're going to be looking this morning at at Paul's heart for the church at Ephesus as he wrote a letter back. And I think if I'm understanding it correctly, he was he was a he was a prisoner. He was possibly sitting in prison when he wrote this letter, which to me is an amazing thing. The much encouraging letters that that dear saint wrote to the churches to encourage them when he was sitting there in prison. I mean, he he loved the Lord and he loved the people of God in amazing ways. He really did. Well, here in Acts chapter twenty, what I want to read. We're going to start reading at verse seventeen. In Acts chapter 20, and I'm not going to make a lot of comment. It's going to be a good bit of reading here this morning, but I'm just going to read through this, and you'll just, you'll, 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 I trust you will be inspired by Paul's heart for the people of God whom he loved. I trust you will be this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 17, you can follow along. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and he calls the elders of the church. Now it seems to me that he, okay, it says he calls the elders of the church. So I suppose this was direct communicating to the elders, although I don't know. He had the elders of the church together, uh, whether it was the entire church or not. Um, It says, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, after after what manner I have been with you in all seasons, serving the Lord with humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me in the lying of the weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, But have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. You know, it's amazing. Later on, we're going to read here that he was he it appears that he spent about three years with him, whether he was there that entire three years without any traveling or not. I'm not quite sure, but he basically spent seemingly an entire 
three years together here with the church. And, you know, he didn't just come together to public meeting places. He actually went from house to house uh, in, uh, in his personal work here with the church, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound into the Spirit... I go bound in the spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me. But none of these move me, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I... And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of yourselves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. But watch therefore, watch, therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. <coughs> I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he knelt, kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. I don't know how that it affects you, if it kind of affects you in somewhat of an emotional sense like it does me. I mean, this was a big thing. They had Paul, their beloved brother and teacher and apostle. He was there interacting with them throughout the course of three years. And he was going from house to house and he was... He was teaching them, and, and many things were happening. I mean, you can read some of the other uh, before accounts, some of the amazing things that happened there in Ephesus, and he was there. And now he's now they're coming face-to-face -face with reality that he's leaving them. It's a bit of an emotional time there. And, you know, I, I talked earlier about the enemy coming in like a flood and the interesting scenarios that we're faced with uh, trying to do New Testament church life in the culture we live in. And sometimes we, we, maybe we groan a bit in that fact. But, you know, every culture had its challenges. They had theirs too. And we read about it right there in 29 and, and a few following verses. He talked about afterwards they were going to have grievous wolves coming in to the flock. They were going to enter, enter in among them, not sparing the flock. And then he says, also yourselves know that men shall also yourselves also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn you every one night and day with tears. So he's reminding them. He's reminding them of some of the things that will befall them in his departure. 
And, you know, it's, it's, it's good for us to realize that, yes, not only are we faced with challenges today, they were faced with challenges back there also. They really were, and that's a reminder, and even a reminder of us today. So that was his departure. That was his departure there from Ephesus. And then later, after that, we have this book, and you can turn to Ephesians now. We have his heart. He's gone now, and, and I'm guessing we could try to determine a little bit the amount of time that elapsed there until he actually read this book. I'm not quite sure. I don't assume it was real long. And last Sunday I shared, we looked at the first 14 verses, and we'd like to look at 15 to the end and possibly into chapter 2 then, depending on the time a bit. But for the most part, largely, I would like to spend the next bit of time here focusing on Paul's heart for the church that we see coming out, and we see that through his, his burden for them. We see that through his prayer for them, and we'd like to build some things uh, upon what he shares here with them. We're in Ephesians 1, and I will begin reading at verse 15 to the end. And this is Paul, possibly from a prison somewhere. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I'm going to uh, call the message this morning, if you need a title, Faith and love, two essentials, or we could say the two essentials, faith and love. Now, I realize in that title, that lets it pretty open-ended. Faith, what does that mean, faith? I mean, faith standing alone doesn't tell us a whole lot unless we talk about what our, the faith is in or even love standing alone. And I am getting that basically out of verse 15 where it talks about faith and love in verse 15 there. And I'd also like to notice that that portion of Scripture that I just read is one entire sentence. We don't get a period until we get to the very end. And as near as I can understand it, it says here in verse 15, Paul says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. It seems to me that Paul, is, if I'm understanding this correctly, it seems to me that, okay, Paul left and he's gone, and now he gets word back wherever he is. 
he gets word back about their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love unto all saints. And if I'm understanding it correctly, it, it seems to me that Paul gets word about what's happening back there at, face, at, at Ephesus. He gets word about what's happening back there at Ephesus. Ephesus, sorry about that. And he perks up his ears and he says, since I heard about that, I don't cease to stop giving thanks for you and praying for you. In other words, it seems like there's something noteworthy going in here, on here in Paul's mind that he hears. Now, the last time I shared it has to do with the, the first part of the, the, the passage here. We talked about our salvation, our, 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 our outstanding salvation, how we're seated at heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Maybe I ought to say this first. As we look at this whole subject of faith and love, you know, I suppose in our, in our Protestant way of thinking, we would say, well, yeah, of course, we talked about that. Um, they came to faith. They came to faith in Christ. They were adopted into the family of God, and uh, and they uh, they accepted God's love. They accepted his plan of salvation, so they accepted his love. And, uh, and of course, Paul knew that. Paul heard about that. And maybe that's what Paul was referring to. Maybe he was just reflecting back, but I don't think so. He says, I heard of your faith and I heard of your love. And I would like this morning to go a little bit beyond our so easily Protestant way of thinking. And that is, we, we come to a place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And amen, we do. That's where it changed and we accept God's love. But I would like for us this morning to believe that Paul was hearing that this church had a ongoing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they had an ongoing love. I, I believe, yes, first of all, for God. And it says for, verse 15, and love unto all the saints. I believe that Paul was hearing that they had an ongoing faith and an ongoing love. And I believe in reality that is what is going to be the working out of our entire salvation, it's going to be that ongoing faith and that ongoing love, which has to do with this, what I was drawing here. And just so we can continue to have it riveted in our minds, sometimes it's easier for me when I have something that I'm looking at. And I'm going to call this over here on this side faith. Of course, in the Lord and in a love. I'm just going to call it to all... Saints, which we know that faith, when I'm talking about faith there, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that ongoing faith and that ongoing love for God and to the saints that we need. And as we go throughout life, when we come to that fork in the road and we have a decision to make, that we will make the right decision to continue down that road of faith and that uh, love. And we could put over here, we could put unbelief. Unbelief. And we could put over here a love of self. We could put other things there too, I think, to bring out the idea of, of uh, making wrong choices in life. Um, so we want to continue on here. Uh, he heard about their faith. And earlier this week, as I was pondering this scripture, thinking about Paul hearing about their faith. And I was picturing, wondering, what for church was this? Okay, Paul heard that back there in Ephesus, they had a faith and they had this 
love, it, it must have just been the ideal church, right? It must have been the ideal church that they had 100% faith, 100% love. Well, I don't know what the church was like, but, you know, as I began looking uh, and, and reading there in Acts 20, I, it appears that it could have been a fairly large church because he called the elders of the church together. I don't know what size the church there at Ephesus could have been by this time. But I believe that this doesn't indicate that they had a church that was living 100% perfection as it relates to having that love for all saints and having that faith. Um, but I believe as, as a whole, I'm looking at this as a, as a church as a whole, I believe this was a healthy, thriving church that Paul was looking at back there at Ephesus that got his attention. Well, I would like to just read on here now and just do some considering as in the following verses. He says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all saints, he says, I, I cease not to give thanks for you. He was thankful for the things that he was hearing. And he said, making mention of you in my prayers. And then he says specifically what he was praying for them. In verse 17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. In other words, he heard, I believe, that that church had this ongoing faith, it had this ongoing love for God and for all the saints. And he noticed that and he says, this is what I'm praying for you, that God would give unto you, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. What is wisdom? Wisdom is a, is a huge subject. Uh, some would say wisdom is being able to discern and see and make decisions based on from like God's perspective. From God's perspective is wisdom. Um, uh, Webster will tell us that wisdom is the ability to make wise decisions. And I would just like to encourage this this morning that if we ever need wisdom... I agree with Melvin Kaufman, it is today, is it not, to make right choices, to make right choices. And this was his prayer, that God would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I, I thought it would be good to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, yes, wisdom and of revelation, where God reveals himself to us in our quiet time, in our personal time, and we're, we're faced with choices and decisions where God would reveal himself to us through the word of God or through inspiration, where we would get wisdom that we could make a right choice. And what I would like to do here this morning to encourage us that of our need for wisdom and our need to make right choices in life, there is so much. In fact, all of our future hangs on whether or not we have the ability. Does it not? Can we say that way? Can we just say it that way? Basically, our future... And where we end up in life all hinges on whether we have the ability to make right choices. And then Paul goes from here, and I don't know if we want to call it still his, uh, it maybe isn't even necessarily his prayer. He's saying what he thanks God for, and he says what he prays for them for, and he prays for wisdom and revelation. And then he goes on the rest of the chapter expressing, and I think it largely is expressing the results that we will get from a life of making right choices. And that's where I would like to go this morning to give us encouragement for what we have if we truly can get a hold of wisdom in life and make right choices, what God has for the people of God today. And it's a huge blessing, and I really believe that was the heart that Paul had. 
that we would make the right choices in life to maintain our Christian life. And that was his that was his heart here. Okay, verse 17, wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. And then he says in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, I believe we need to make right choices in life in order to experience the enlightenment that God would have for us. You know, I believe enlightenment, the the opposite of being enlightened or walking in light is walking in darkness. And I believe that many of God's so-called children today walk in darkness, walk in frustration, uh, uh, walk in in, in, uh, maybe even confusion and things like that because of wrong choices that we make. Because of wrong choices. When, When God is calling us to make right choices, to make wise choices in life, so that we can walk in that enlightenment that God has for us. So that that light can come on. So that we can walk in, 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 in the light as He is in the light. That's our inheritance. That's what God would have for us this morning by making right, right choices in life. And I'd just like to encourage us in that this morning. You know, I had to think about walking and in, in, in being enlightened. This week I went to the airport and picked Josh up and came home. And, and, and I'm one that I like light. I like light. I like things that are bright. When I go to the hardware store to buy uh, light bulbs, my wife, she goes thinking thrifty. I am not as thrifty in this area maybe as I should be. She thinks the low-watt bulbs. I think the high-watt bulbs. I like light. We recently have had some company in our garage, and our garage tends to be a little dark. It's not very well uh, uh I can't think of the word I'm using for, for, for light sockets. Um, so uh, I went to the store and I happened to notice it was either a two or three hundred watt light bulb. I said, boy, that'll do the job in my garage. I came home and screwed the other one out and screwed that one in. And the first thing Joshua said when he walked into our garage, when he came home, he says, Dad, what is different in here? I said, we got light. We got light. And that's the way it is. And that is what I would like to give encouragement for us today. Last week, Melvin had all you young people sitting right up here in the front. I think many times... Based on unwise choices, based on unwise choices and not choosing true wisdom, we many times will veer off in the direction we ought not go. But a life of making right choices will bring enlightenment to our lives. And that's my heart for us this morning, that we will learn to make right choices. I don't want to repeat myself. Sometimes I forget what I say in other messages and what I don't. But I really believe that we live in a time and a day where when things are offending us, as it says in Matthew, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not even sure which chapter it is. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Get rid of it. If your foot offends you, or foot is a foot in hand? I'm not even sure. I know it's your hand and foot offends you. Cut it off. Make right choices. And I believe there's many, many uh, of God's people today that walk in darkness because of making wrong choices. And, and then we end up reaping the results and the consequences of, life, of a life of wrong choices. And you know, in reality, it's our own fault when those kind of things happen. When we make unwise choices. 
But the blessing of it is when we when we realize in life, and this is some encouragement, especially to young people, when you realize you came to one of those forks in life where wisdom is crying out over here. And you got a foolish choice or, or you're tempted to, to veer off to this size to always choose to go the right way. And there are times where I'm sure all of us come to a point and place in life where we end up going this way. I can look back over my 20 plus years of walking with the Lord. And there have been many a time where I have gone this way and had to back up and go this way. And sometimes we end up going so far off to the left, making a wrong choice that we, we say, what's the use? It's too big. It's too ugly. But I would just encourage us to do what needs to be done to come back to go that route again for uh, and walk in God's will is my encouragement to us here this morning. And this is actually a promise. It seems that Paul is saying here, uh, based on their faith and their love, uh, then having the ability to make right choices, that the eyes of their understanding can be enlightened. And then he goes on to say the next one and says, um, that ye may, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. And here again, I would just like to give us some encouragement. You know, God has a calling on every one of our lives. Do you know that? I believe God has a calling on every one of our lives and his heart here in his prayer for the church of Ephesus. And I believe it would be his his call for us today is that we would understand what his calling is. We would understand what his calling is. Now, when I say we would understand what his calling is, I realize in life sometimes it takes a lifelong journey of understanding what God's call possibly is in our life. But I believe God has and wants to place a personal call on all of our lives. What is his will for my life? And you know, many times, especially through the teen years and for the new Christian, he's wondering, what is what does God have for me? God does have a plan for you. And I think it's very healthy that we don't just live a nominal Christian life, just whatever comes, comes, haphazardly living our Christian life. But we understand the call that God has on my life. And I realize sometimes as young people that can be challenging. You, you, you raise the question, what does God have for me? Does God have marriage for me? Doesn't he have marriage for me? What does God have for me? But you would be at peace just uh, living in the reality of the current calling that God has in your life, whatever that is, and just being a blessing in your home. Understand God's call and God's calling that he has on our life rather than a life of making wrong choices and having somewhat of a cluttered mind and not understanding what God's call is. I think many times if we respond too much to the flesh, and too much to self and go down the road even of unbelief that that calling will become murky. But God has a call on our life. What is his call on your and my life? Okay, I was there in verse uh, verse 18, I believe. The hope of his calling. And then uh, the latter part of verse 18, it says, And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. You know, there's a huge temptation for us to want to get out of this life, all the things that this life has to offer. But, you know, he talks here about our inheritance in the saints. And I would just like to encourage us this morning not to be looking what this life has to offer, what this world has to offer. I know here again it's a huge temptation for youth to to be looking at what all life has to offer us, but to realize as a child of God that my... My inheritance is going to come later. My 
My, uh, and I know there's a lot of blessings that come in the Christian life today and being faithfulness to God. There's a lot of blessings. We reap a lot of blessings of uh, living for the Lord today. Um, I realize that. But to realize that a life poured out to God, we will get our reward later. The world is looking for prestige and honor and all those kind of things and to climb the corporate ladder and whatever all it might be, but to realize as a child of God, you know, that was where Paul was at. Paul was just, you know, it's just amazing. When Paul, when, when Paul met the Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road, he totally changed his life and his priorities. He really did. And he was living a life poured out for the kingdom of God. And that gives us an example today to follow that call in our life. The calling of God that he has on our life. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 1 for a bit. Uh, it talks there a bit about the call. 1 Corinthians 1. Sometimes we're tempted to say, well, who am I and can God use me? Yes, he can. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, and I'm going to be referring largely here. It talks about, uh, well, in verse 20, I'm going to begin reading up at 17. I think I'm going to read down through. But just to notice in verse 24, it talks about those that are called. And uh, verse 26, but I'll just read uh, starting at verse 17 there. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that, by wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to them which are saved, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26 here, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound things that are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen and things which are not to bring to naught that things the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence you know it talks here about not many wise not many noble uh, those kind of people are called, but it's it's the the humble, it's the weak things, it's things that are despised and so forth that God has chosen. You know, sometimes we get the idea that, well, can God really use me? Can 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 God use me? I mean, look at over here and over here. Yes, God can use us. God is not looking for the worldly wise and and for all those that that uh, God is just looking for uh, humble people to work for Him that will hear His call. And work in his kingdom. That's who God is calling. Okay, let's go back to uh, Ephesians again. Um, like to just refer a little bit more. Okay, I did talk a bit about our inheritance. 
Uh, 1 Peter 1.4 says, To inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. All right, moving on here in verse 19 it says, uh, and here again, this is the things that, that just a reminder to us that Paul is encouraging as a result of wisdom, as a result of making wise choices. And this part just really blesses me here as we consider verse 19. He says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? I don't know what that does to you, but you know, to me, that just blesses me to know that God, I believe, is longing to pour out his power on his children. It says to usward who believe, to usward who believe here, God is wanting to pour out his power. His, the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You know, we young men, we like power. We like things, we, we, we like things that are powerful, right? Uh, that, that, that's in us. You know, the working of his mighty power, you know, and I don't always know where to put it. I know it's His mighty power that brings salvation to us by just putting our faith and our confidence in Him. That's what I talked about last week. But I also believe that God is longing to pour out His mighty power on us when we discipline ourselves to make right choices in life. I believe that. I believe it is His mighty power. It's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But I believe when we experience so great a salvation... We have to be careful that we don't begin thinking like the mainstream Christianity thinks that that simply is the mighty power. And it is the mighty power that brings salvation to the human heart. But I also believe, and I know I've said it before, it takes a holy God to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and put him back in an unholy world and keep him holy. I don't know if you ever heard that one before, if I ever shared that one before. But I believe that that is part of what this exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. I believe Paul is possibly, I don't know if we can picture him sitting there in a dungeon and he's writing back to this church. This church who has learned to now make right choices. It's a church who has learned to continue down that road of faith. Not only the faith that brought salvation back there, but he's looking back to this church that has learned to make Right choices based on their ongoing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are also a church back there that he's writing back to that has learned to love the saints of God even when they don't feel like it. I'm sure that you deal with that sometimes. And I'm sure you deal with that towards me sometimes because we're real people. Sometimes we're just not the easiest people to love. Right? Some of you are looking like, well, you're not sure. But that is the way we are. There is an ongoing reality when it relates to church life that sometimes we just have to choose to love. Lyndon, you can at least shake your head yes. Thank you. That is part of the choice. And it seems that Paul is looking back and he's realizing that that this church is choosing to love. And they're choosing to have faith. And I believe it is when we purpose and we go down that road of learning to make right choices based on wisdom, because of our faith and confidence in Christ, that God at that point, if I'm understanding this scripture correctly, maybe I'm taking things a bit out of context as far as this mighty power, but it seems that, that Paul recognizes 
these two elements of faith and love. And then he prays to them for wisdom. And then he says that these things will follow you. And maybe I'm not reading this quite correctly, but that's what I'm seeing here. Their eyes will be enlightened. They'll be experiencing these things down through. And then he talks about the mighty power. And what is the exceeding greatness of that power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And then in verse 20, he describes to us here what this, what this, what this mighty power is. And he says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand in heavenly places. And you know, that's a power that none of us can identify with or understand. I cannot explain it, that power that it took, what happened there. But I want to tell you something, it blesses me. It blesses me that when I know that there is that kind of power available to help me to live a holy life. That blesses me. Do I always tap into it like I should? No, I don't. But it blesses me when I know that that kind of power, I believe God is longing to pour out into the human heart when we make right choices. And if I'm understanding it correctly, that is what he's, encu- what he's encouraging, uh, trying to encourage the church here in to make those kind of choices and, and to be tapped into that mighty power. And then he goes on to say, Uh, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. That is where Christ is sitting. He's seated in heavenly places, far above those principalities and power and might and dominion. That's where Christ is seated today. And I think we need to encourage each other with those words as we live in a day where there is political unrest, worldwide political unrest and some of the things that are happening happening in the world we live in. And I trust this morning that we can be encouraged that Jesus Christ, our King, that's where He is seated today. That's where He is seated today. He is seated in heavenly places based on that mighty power. He is seated today in those heavenly places far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in the world to come. It almost seems that Paul is seeing down through the ages. Well, I don't know when he talks about the world to come, what that's referring to, possibly heaven, or, or, or I'm not sure how far he goes with as far as the world to come. But that's where Christ is seated, and that's where Christ will be seated throughout time. And we can have that confidence that we can put our faith and our confidence and our trust in our King who is seated there. That is the blessing. That is part of the blessing that I think Paul was wanting to encourage the church back there at Ephesus with in their king. And I believe that's what God would have our hearts to be encouraged with today, that Christ is seated there. And he is at the one at the seat of the authority of the whole human race. Even ISIS, you know, sometimes we fear these things, especially as children. We fear some of the things that are going on in the world and we... we, uh, we can easily let our hearts tremble a bit and become concerned. And, and we ought to be concerned about some of these things. But we can always come back to the reality of realizing where our king is seated, despite any kind of political unrest that happens in the world. And that's encouraging to us. That's encouraging to me. Verse 22, And he hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. You know, it doesn't it just blessed me this morning as I consider this whole thing of Christ's body. We are the church of Jesus Christ is Christ's body and he is the head. And, you know, many times we come to these forks in the road, these decisions that we have to make. And sometimes they're hard decisions that we have to make. 
And sometimes we have to wonder, God, why am I faced with some of the things we are? Uh, last week we heard a little bit about the Brennemans and some of the things they're facing. I'm not sure if they're here this morning. Uh, and, I, and I realize some of those things. And we face hard decisions in life. And we all face those hard decisions in life. And we come to God and we, we, we say, God, why? But you know, this morning as I was considering that, you know, we are the body. Christ is the head. What do we do in our head? It's in our head where we figure everything out, right? We figure everything out in our head. And Christ is my head. He has everything figured out. He has it all figured out. And this morning, that just blessed my soul as I was thinking about that. That is part of the blessing that we can live in if we are, uh, if we are, are living the reality of our ongoing faith. And choosing to love, choosing to love the saints of God and continuing to choose to love God regardless of what he sends our way. And, 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 and make right choices in life and we can experience all these blessings all the way down to the last one that he shares here about the body. The body and we can simply trust God. He has it all figured out. And that brings me a lot of encouragement as we think about Christ and us being the body and him being the head. We don't have to figure all those things out. So I would just like that to be some encouragement for us here this morning as we uh, as we consider all those things, all those blessings that God would have for us. If we put those things in place the way God would have us to do that and trust that our hearts can be encouraged. I could go on to chapter two a bit, but I think I'm going to leave off there. I'm going to leave that for today. I think I will. I would just like to conclude a little bit with talking about what I had uh, shared with us there in verse 15 where he talks about uh, having faith in the Lord. I'd like to end up there again here at the end just to bring that encouragement to us to live a life of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and a life of choosing to love. And I'd like to call it this morning an attitude of faith in Christ regardless of what comes, and also the attitude, having that underlying attitude of love. I would like to encourage with that, us with that this morning. Yes, it's that saving faith that saves us and gives us a right standing with God, but I believe it's that ongoing, lifelong choosing of faith in God and following His will and following His way in life. I would like to encourage us this morning to have that attitude of faith as we go throughout life and experience those blessings. And also that attitude of love, that uncompromising love. And as it's stated here in verse 15, for all saints. For all saints. The church of Ephesus had that testimony that calls Paul's attention. And he says, I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And I'm not sharing that this morning because I don't think we have it. I stand with Paul this morning and I say, I thank God for you. I know we have a church here that has faith in God and is choosing to have an ongoing faith in God. And I stand with Paul here this morning and I thank God for you. And I thank God for you that we are a church that loves each other and is growing in that love. And there are all times where we have some of us as individuals, including my faith, Myself, where we struggle a bit with that. But I believe that we're a church. We're a new church. We're a church that's coming together. 
And we're a church that many times, sometimes we don't understand each other. And I trust that as we go into Ephesians 2, we can understand some of those things and we can all realize whether Jew or Gentile, uh, what we are, whatever our culture is, our background is, we really have nothing to boast in other than Christ Jesus our Lord. And as we get into that in Ephesians 2, I trust that it can help us to grow in our love and our appreciation, irregardless of our background and some of the baggage that all of us bring along, that we can grow in our love for one another. But I do want you to know, and I just want to encourage you in that I didn't share that with us. This was just simply the order of going through Ephesians. And I stand with Paul, and I thank God for you. I thank God for you, for the faith that you have, and for the love that you have one for another. And I just want to bless you in that. And I think these are the blessings that we can experience. Yes, if we choose wisdom and make right choices, all those blessings can follow us throughout life. God bless you. Thank <clears throat> you.